see that. What inspired you to become a patron of fine art? Did you always take a liking to artwork growing up, or did you become inspired and interested in art later on? I think you know, falling in love with Niccolo um, inspired me to learn as much as I could about uh, our home. And our home is really a vast, has a vast array of wonderful, wonderful uh, frescoes. And mm-hmm. the only ceiling painting ever done by Caravaggio, which was uh, painted in 1597. And uh, that, and, and then I majored in history in college. So mm-hmm. I, I was always interested in history, but not specifically art history. But it goes along with the territory. Uh, what are the things that endure through the ages? Art, architecture, um, and literature. And, mm-hmm. and the, the real enduring things are, are um, so I think that it, it was a natural progression for me. Yeah, I'm kind of very, very interested in art. And then, and of course, right. in embracing the preservation of Villa Aurora, which is the National Historic Monument, mm-hmm. um, really came out of a, my deep uh, love and relationship with my husband and and uh, shared goals and values. And also, it's so humbling to imagine in our home that uh, Tchaikovsky was here, Hawthorne, mm-hmm. Henry James. He wrote some mm. of Italian Hours. I don't know if you've ever read that. It's such a wonderful book. And he said, the day was delicious. The trees all one melody. The whole place a revelation of what Italy and hereditary pop can do together. And he was discussing our home, the Aurora. Wow. And uh, he was here with his companion um, and walking through the Gardens of Solistini, which this is mm. built upon, and, uh, entering our home and, and looking at the various, uh, you know, we have... As I said, the only ceiling painting ever painted by Caravaggio in 1597. And then we have Cortina's masterpiece, The Aurora, bringing dawn into the night. Mm. And we have one room that was uh, painted as a contest in one month's time um, between five leading artists of their day in 1618, Cortino, Paul Brio, Viola, Domenichino, and Pomerancho. So wow. you look at these beautiful works of art. We have a Michelangelo statue in our garden. We still have 28 statues in the Gardens of Solace in our garden. And, um, you know, you, you're just surrounded by this beauty of mm-hmm. uh, uh, sculptures and, and uh, art. And, I don't know, it's such a privilege. You just you feel mm-hmm. like you're so lucky and that you're custodian of something that's so special that hopefully will outlive you. Uh, by many, 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 many generations. Uh, this home has been in my husband's family for uh, since 16, 18, and wow. uh, until this day. Yeah. So it's wow. really, it's a privilege and an honor um, to be a custodian of this wonderful, wonderful home. What and, a treasure! Uh, I, yeah, I feel privileged. I feel privileged and humbled, actually. If you imagine the people mm-hmm. who walk through here. Um, Lenoch said that he derived his inspiration from the gardens of Versailles from Ludovici Gardens. Ludovici mm. Gardens was 42 hectares in size or 86.9 acres in size. It was the largest gardens inside the walls of Rome, much larger than the Borghese Gardens. So it's, um, it's really, yeah. really, really quite, quite, quite amazing if you love history. Although my mm-hmm. husband, um, was fond of telling me you talk too much about history. <laughs> if you don't know where you've been, you don't know where you're going. So I think right. it's very, very important as far as concerned. <laughs> wow. And he, what a, he was walking the cyclopedia of history. My husband spoke mm-hmm. seven languages fluently. 
Wow. And uh, he was a chemical engineer. He graduated from ETH, which is the equivalent of MIT in Europe, um, mm-hmm. in Zurich. And uh, he was uh, graduated third in his class. He was brilliant in every way. Incredible. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. An wow. incredible journey. Amazing. Really an what incredible is- journey of love. Well, you yeah. know, Joseph Campbell said, the great philosopher said, um, they asked him, what what should you do in life? Should you pursue money or what should you do? Um, mm-hmm. Students were asking him. He said, no, follow your passion. Follow your bliss. If you follow your bliss, mm-hmm. all the opportunities will come your way. Mm-hmm. So it's really, and then the money will come. He said, don't, don't just try and acquire money for money. He mm-hmm. said, follow your bliss. And he's right. If you mm-hmm. follow your bliss, um, you have an interesting life and probably a fairly lucrative one as well. Right. Now, right. I'm going on yeah. too much. Have I, have no, I that, That's really important to remember. And, and thank you for sharing that brief history of the villa. It's incredible. It's such a treasure. And, I mean, clearly living in the villa, you're surrounded by this beautiful artwork to enjoy. But I wonder how important was it to you to be able to open up the villa to the public? to let the public in and be able to appreciate the artwork? It was very important. It has not been open to the public really ever in the history of the villa because, you know, as Nicholas said, we live here. And I said, I know, darling, but I said, people need to see the Caravaggio. They need to see the um, Hukri, the leading manners painter, and the Ingresso. I said, they need to see the Guccino, the Aurora. They need to see uh, the brio and the viola and the dominichino and the pomerantia um, mm-hmm. and the bar reliefs that are 2,000 years old. I mean, it's just a, it's a wonderland of discovery. In fact, um, Professor Brennan, um, who is a graduate of Harvard College, incidentally, and also I think he did his graduate there as well, um, he um, helped me immensely. And mm-hmm. we were reading um, about that there was a missing uh, fresco of Pope Gregory the Thirteenth greeting the five Japanese boys when they came to Rome uh-huh. in the 16th century, and we we discovered it. We had a, a little camera, and we put it through a crack in the ceiling, and we what? discovered it because we the king had come. The king had come um, to visit the Aurora uh, because the American Academy began here in the 1890s. And John uh-huh. Russell Pope lived here, who gave us our Jefferson Memorial. And uh, Breck did the murals on St. Paul's inside the walls of Rome. Mm-hmm. And uh, we knew from photography was in vogue at that point for the 1890s. And we saw photographs of this beautiful fresco of Gregory the 13th greeting the five Japanese boys who came to Rome. And uh, and I called them boys because they were young, very I'm not trying to demean anyone. And so... Um, <laughs> Uh, we found it by putting a little camera through a hole, and, and whenever I would come back to our little suite here in the villa, my house, I would be, it was covered in plaster and everything. They said, I know what you've been doing. <laughs> and we laughed about it, and it was so funny. And now I've been trying to find a missing Guccino, mm-hmm. which it was described uh, when the king came here to visit the American Academy. And... Uh, and so I've been drilling holes in another area of the villa trying to discover it. If I had the x-ray equipment, I could actually probably find it much easier, but uh, oh, much more wow. easily. But uh, nonetheless, um, it's really, it's uh, for me, it's, it's, it has been a journey of love. It really mm-hmm. has been. Um, and it, 
and when I say journey of love, I mean the love uh, that I have for my husband. And um, yeah. and his eyes, mm-hmm. and walking encyclopedia of history, and uh, to oh. see everything through his eyes was just amazing. It's just mm-hmm. uh, illuminating, illuminating. You know, when you go to Terrytown, you think of the Rockefellers and you think of John D. Rockefeller and Nelson mm-hmm. Rockefeller, the president of the United States, etc. And then when you come here to the Aurora, you're such a minuscule little part of the history of this 500-year-old home. And mm-hmm. yet we feel the responsibility of preserving this, this history and this art and this beauty for future generations. It, that's mm-hmm. such an important thing. So you don't think of yeah. Niccolo and Rita Bonomi. You think of Cucino and Fabio and Viola and Domenichino and Malazio um, mm-hmm. and Dagliardi. Um, mm-hmm. You think of all of these, and Caravaggio, of course. You think of all of these wonderful, and, and um, Carlo Moderno did our staircase. And he did the facade of St. Peter's in the Cornale. So... We we have so much, and we know that there's an, a, a telescope um, that Galileo Galilei was here many times uh, with um, Cardinal Francesco de Monte, who's the patron of uh, not only Caravaggio, Michelangelo, Maurice, but also he's the patron of Galileo Galilei, who's here many times, and he gave a telescope to this family, and I'm trying to find it. Out. Oh. <laughs> wow! Uh, we're trying to discover that, yeah. And then, and then to look out um, at the 28 statues we still have in the Gardens of Solace in our garden, uh, right. are just uh, amazing from 2 AD, and one is from Greek times, and then there's even a trough from Hadrian's Villa. Um, so it's just, oh, I don't know. It's just such an honor and a privilege to have the opportunity to attempt to preserve. Yeah. All that uh, we've given here. Yeah. It's a wow. daunting task, though, I must say. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> and on that note about trying to find the telescope, um, you gave an address two years ago at the Institute for Digital Archaeology Conference at Harvard. And one thing you said mm. in that speech that I thought was incredibly interesting, you said, quote, one problem with the Villa Aurora is that we keep on finding unknown treasures. Um, and and yeah, I wonder, <laughs> have there been any other recent discoveries or new uncoverings of precious artwork in the villa that you can share? Well, yes, um, we found that um, there is a statue that we have that is an old, um, actually, gravestone or tombstone, whatever you for an old Roman soldier uh, that they had written uh, uh-huh. was lost. Uh, that, uh, and uh, it had been lost from the Gardens was destroyed at the um, beginning of the 20th century. And yet oh. it's in our garden. So that, that's rather wow. exciting. We even have an old aqueduct in our um, garden as well. So it's wow. really, and, then, and then we had a group came over from Oxford, and they did, um, through Professor Burnham, and they did uh, through the imaging of the garden, and there's so much. And they even found, uh, not the through the imaging people, but... Um, the Ministry of Culture, because this is a National Historic Monument, they often come onto our property whenever they like. And uh-huh. um, every time the new government, there's a new Ministry of Culture. And so you never uh-huh. know. Uh, you have to adapt all the time. It's really, uh, and you know, there are frequent changes of government here. So it's really, really uh-huh. kind of uh, intriguing. And so you wow. have to adjust to it. And 
and so they, they uh, excavated some barnyard and they found uh, 17th century ruins, which they thought were too modern. They weren't interested in. They found 12th century ruins with some mm-hmm. skeletal remains, and then they found Julius Caesar's um, a wall from Julius Caesar's villa. And <laughs> one of the uh, people from the Ministry of Culture told me this is where he got next Cleopatra. Wow. <laughs> This is not one of the seven hills of Rome, but it's the highest hill in Rome. Mm-hmm. And from our uh, yard, from our garden, which is an acre and a half in the middle of Rome, um, mm-hmm. you should be able to see all of Rome. However, the family had difficult financial times from the beginning of the 20th century, and they sold some of the land behind us, which is now the Eden Hotel, which is now owned by Sultan of Vermont. And I said, so we actually had this beautiful view from our garden. Now you have to go up to our loggia on top, and then you have the beautiful view. Um, but before you could see it actually from the garden. That's wow. Wow. There's, you know, there's, so, there's, so, there's so many, yeah, there's so many discoveries. They're just... Um, one after the other. <laughs> it's just amazing I, you know, and, yeah. and, uh, yeah. and and astonishing and and uh, I don't know. I feel I guess it's such a privilege to be in this position to be able to, to at least try and preserve uh, the future and future not only members of this family but for just future Italians and Americans and everybody else that wants to come and see this house to try and preserve it for more the future. How beautiful. After the long, long. Yeah. <laughs> and our archives have been digitized by Rutgers University, digitized our archives um, through uh-huh. um, Professor Brennan. And uh, he right. uh, he brought, brought over the chancellor of Rutgers University to, to have dinner with us. And I thought, well, I could go to Harvard because I you know, I, I have some association with Harvard Business School, which is why I was a member of the OPM. 32 at Harvard and uh, at Harvard Business School, alumna of Harvard Business School. I thought, well, I would go to Harvard and see if they'd like to have our help me with the archives. And I, I found over 130,000 uh, documents wow. in my basement. And then the first thing I pulled out of this old trunk, I pulled out 25 letters from Rand to Matt and Lee, the 16th, and Lee, the 14th, and um, oh my amazing. God. Yes, and one one book uh, was um, by a surveyor. His name is Antonio Giuliani, and it was from 1681 when the two families merged upon the Middle East. And the most intriguing part, and one of um, I think it was one of Clinton's ambassadors, President Clinton's ambassador, was uh, was visiting us, and I said, "You know, um, do you know Rudy Giuliani?" And he said, "Yes, of course." And I said, well, we can ask him if he's related to Antonio Giuliani, who put this beautiful book together in 1861, uh, recording all of the properties of the book. Oh. And he said, oh, I don't need to ask him. And, and I said, why? And he said, because we'll say yes no matter what. <laughs> it's oh, so my funny. God. And, and, oh, and, 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 and I think the most intriguing people have Passed through um, the villa, Bette Midler and Madonna and, oh gosh, Richard Chamberlain and Chuck Lorenz. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, and probably many people I've been, oh, Annie Leibowitz was here and um, Peter Beard and just the most intriguing people. And imagine on our property, on the, the on the uh, uh-huh. garden. Gogol walks around the garden smoking a cigar after he finished um, Dead Souls, after he got mm. Dead Souls. Can you imagine that? 
and Tchaikovsky and Hawthorne and Stendhal. Yeah. You know, yes, it's wow. You know, you, it, it, you just almost feel their presence that they were yeah. here and that they somehow contributed um, to this wonderful little house. And you know, the American Embassy was the palace. They, uh-huh. as I said, um, Ludovica Gardens was over 86.9 acres. And so the Via Veneto, what is now the Via Veneto, was part of Ludovica Gardens. And our American Embassy was one of their palaces. If you go by the American Embassy and the Via Veneto, you'll see the dragon and the three stripes, all of, which is our coat of arms, all along the facade of the uh-huh. American Embassy. Wow. Wow. Speaking of intriguing people, I know that before you were Princess Rita, you had a flourishing career in commercial real estate in New York where you actually crossed paths (laughs) with Donald Trump. Um, Can you tell me what that experience was like? I think that's really interesting. (laughs) Well, it was was interesting. Um, I am... I remember my secretary at um, Sullivan Jeanette. I was... uh, one of the principals in that company, and uh, I was over the commercial division. And my partner was John Sullivan, who was um, with the white, had been with the white glove um, real estate firm, Brown um, Hair Stevens. And we combined our uh, talents, as it were, and we formed this company. And I remember my secretary came and she said, You know, my uncle is one of the um, executives at uh, the Summit de Bartolo Group. And she said, um, would you like to have the book on the GM building? And I said, yes, because I'm getting ready to go meet with A. Wallach, the president of the Trump Organization, mm-hmm. um, in two days. And if I can have the book, I'll see if you'd be interested in selling, uh, buying the Jim and Others building. It was going to be, an, it was an elaborate threat from CPI, the Simon de Bartolo to Trump, it was, uh, which made the Simon de Bartolo group the largest REIT in America. So, mm-hmm. She said, yes, I picked you the book, and so I went in, and I showed, uh, I met with Abe, and I showed him the book, and I said, do you think um, Mr. Trump, I had not met Trump at that point, and mm-hmm. so I said, would you think we might be interested in buying the General Motors building? And he said, oh, yes, because I knew he would be, because uh, uh, Chris Jeffries had just um, kind of bought the St. Moritz, which is now the Ritz-Carlton. Uh, do you know New York at all? It's, it's now the Ritz-Carlton. Yeah, um, hotel yeah. on on uh, Central Park South and Sixth Avenue, and I knew that um, uh, Chris Jeffries had outbid him on the set list, and mm-hmm. so I thought you know, they'd probably be interested in this, having lost the other building, and um, and so Abe said yes, I'd be very very interested. So please come back in a few days, and and we'll sit down with everybody. So there we were in that, that large uh, boardroom that we've seen many times on television. And uh, everybody went around the room, the people from Lazard Career and Morgan Stanley and, um, oh gosh, Lehman Brothers, which still mm-hmm. exists at that point. And then right. Abe Wallach, and they all said, oh, we're here because it's that age, and we're here because it's nasty and persistent to do that. And I brought the book, and right on the spot, Abe offered $900 million for the General Motors building. And wow. the building had already been bid upon by Marvin Davis and uh, Vermado real estate. They were in the war room, and they were trying to buy the GM building. And this was 1997 or so. And so mm-hmm. uh, they had been about six months working on this. And they said, you'll have to act fast. That's what, uh, what they told Eddie. They said, yes. And so he offered $900 million right then and there. But that was the most money ever offered for any commercial building 
in the history wow. of uh, New York. And so um, he knocked Marvin Davis, the late Marvin Davis, and Verado uh, uh, right out of the ballpark. And uh, Trump was able, in a very short time, they closed uh-huh. uh, July of 1998 on um, uh-huh. the building. And he brought in a, par- a partner, these people that, uh, his partners are these people that sell, um, gosh, what do they got? You know, the, uh, they're, they're, uh, uh-huh. Well, I want to say, you know, they're mobile homes. They're mobile homes. Okay. So they're okay. very cool, and they charge and they charge them like twenty five percent interest, and then the poor people lose the mobile homes, and it's just a, oh, yeah. anyway. Those were his, those were his partners in this uh-huh. thing, and he put up most of the money. And there we were, and he bought the building and um, closed in July of nineteen ninety eight. And but he called me prior to that, and he said, "Oh, you're not the broker on this deal, Rita." And I said, "Well, I'm not. Pray tell who is." And he said. Wilkie Farr, and I said, the law firm? And he said, yes. I went, oh, that's interesting. Yes, but they weren't in the, they weren't in the oh, meeting wow. or the meeting of the class. And he said, yes, they're, they're, um, they're, the, uh, uh, they're the brokers. But he said, if you find me the financing, I will pay you from that. And I said, all right, I don't really care whether it's from the deal or from the financing or whatever. And wow. so I went down to First, First Union in Charlotte, North Carolina, and met with the head of Cat Markets, Barry Reiner. Just moved there. He's a He just moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, with his two children and his wife from New York City, and he was able to put the whole deal together. Uh, First Union was going to do six hundred million, and uh, the mezzanine was going to be done by First Boston with the other three hundred million. So every, uh-huh. I did the whole financing right in one day, and I flew back to New York and said, "Got the financing everything." But Trump already knew he was going to do the financing with Lehman's. He already knew oh. that he wasn't going to be using the financing. Oh, my gosh. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, yeah. So it was oh, quite man. an experience. <laughs> it was quite yeah. an experience. Um, wow. Wow. <laughs> but, that um, about sums it up. Yeah. Wow. No, that just about says it all. Yeah. <laughs> I have nothing further to say. It was, uh, um, <laughs> it was an interesting very mm-hmm. interesting um, experience. I met him. I did meet him, and uh, he was very kind, uh, uh, polite. I entered his office, and Abe said he wants to meet him. I said, okay. I said, I heard he's a germaphobe. What, shall I shake his hand? And he said, no, no. He said, just stand there. Abe did. And I said, okay. And so <laughs> I won't shake his hand. And, and, and before I went in to meet with him, I said, you know, um, I'm, I'm going to go wash my hands in, uh-huh. in the facility. So I went to the bathroom, the bathroom there, and they had a sign in the mirror that says, wash your hands, you're being washed or something like that. So oh my God. I was washing and washing my hands. Yeah, exactly. Well, I guess he is one of those. So I just kind of stood there, and he came over and he gave me a big hug, and I thought, wow, you know. And then okay. um, I, sat down, I, I sat down across from the, him at the table, and uh, and he pulled up the magazine. He said, "You know, now this was remember this was 1997, 1998. Mm-hmm. Okay. And this magazine has his photograph on it. I don't know if it's mm-hmm. Forbes or whatever. And he said, "I'm worth 3.5 billion dollars." And I thought, "Wow, that's the first time anyone's ever said anything like that to me." You know, I mean, <laughs> and so I thought, "How do I respond to that?" Gee, right. I, I wonder how. So I said, "Well." And I, I kept thinking, I said, well, how wonderful for you. <laughs> I, thought, I, I thought, what else does one say? Good for you. Wow. And, 
<laughs> wow. So it was interesting. It was, it was interesting that kind of dynamic, you know. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then after that, of course, everything else happened. And then I remember Vance Harkey. Do you remember him? He was Senator Vance Harkey. Oh, uh, it rang uh, a bell. He was one. You probably don't. You're too young. But he was. He was. Uh, he ran for president. Uh, oh, okay. Many, 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 he, he died subsequently, but he was really very a lovely guy. He was very, yeah. oh, okay. he was very close to Mr. Simon, and so mm-hmm. the Simon the Barlow group at the time. Now it's just called the Simon group. And so um, he went to uh, Mr. Simon, um, the elder Mr. Simon, and he said, look, he said, this girl sells him the mother's but she's not going to be paid with anything for taking it. And so wow. uh, he said, well, I'll work He said, I'll work out something to get her paid. And then uh, so she'll wow. be paid something. And, but actually, the money I received from them is by far less than I would receive doing a, you know, mm-hmm. not about from them, but about the same amount I would receive from selling a luxury apartment or something in New York. And nonetheless, uh, mm-hmm. not a nine hundred dollars. But anyway... So that was that, and then and then I remember um, in 2015 there was a book that came out with Harper's by Harper Collins um, on the GM building, and this uh-huh. was a chapter on it. And I, I gave an interview. I didn't give an interview to the author. I said I, I will not speak to you on the record. I said I just won't do it. And so she went to all the other people that were involved in the sale of the GM building to Trump, oh. and every one of them who did not speak out at the time. In 1998, every single one of them, all the big boys from Lazard Ferrer and Morgan Stanley and, and Lehman's and all that, they all said, gosh, we did the deal. And even Abe, who is working elsewhere, not with Trump anymore, he said, yes, she put the deal together. He even admitted it. So wow. finally, after, after um, yeah, finally, after 17 years, I was credited with selling the biggest commercial real estate deal ever sold in the history of New York at that time. Now the oh. really deals are much much. I mean, nine hundred and some odd million was very huge at that time. Now they do yeah. billion dollar deals. So. Yeah, yeah, but what but a anyway, long time it coming. Was, yeah. it, was, it was a very interesting experience. And I was thinking the other day when I was reading um, through the newspapers and you know, looking right. at it, and I thought, you know, I'm, I'm reflecting on this. I thought I've been in all three. You know, they talk. I interviewed Bill Carr. When I was working for a show called Current Affair, I was an on-air reporter for Current Affair. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. then um, Roger, Roger Ailes gave me, uh, offered me my first job in television. Oh, and wow. And he worked for, uh, for the Tomorrow Show, which I know you won't remember, the Tomorrow Show with Tom um, Burkhoff. And not Tom Burkhoff, Tom, oh gosh, I wish I could make, do you know who I'm talking about? And I don't. Tomorrow Show. No, that was uh, Tom, been- um, Oh. It was. Well, I mean, you were not even born, but it was Tom. Um, oh well. Anyway, <laughs> uh, anyway, oh, it was okay. a, a show called The Tomorrow Show, and he was the producer mm-hmm. of that on NBC. And I remember he offered me my first job then, and I it didn't work out. But then subsequently, I went on and worked for uh, a current affair. But I have had many other careers, so wow. I was on. Um, yeah, I've acted on Broadway. Well, actually, on um, uh, American Place Theater. Right, playbill there. So I've done a lot of different things, uh, many, many things. Anyway, it's been an eclectic experience. But I think by far, uh, everything I've ever done has prepared me for uh, this Mm -hmm. role as Nicola's wife, and and also um, to helping open this this villa to the public. And I didn't mean that. I I know a lot of. 
liberated women will say, oh, it prepared her for a role as Nicholas Watt, but really, um, it is different being married to a prince, you know, that mm-hmm. you do have responsibilities and you know sure. um, yeah. that you're signing, when, when you get married, you know that you're going to be doing certain things. And I actually like all the charity work and everything. I enjoy that a lot immensely. But I also enjoy immensely preserving the art and the beauty and the history of the Laura. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I've probably wow. told you more than I ever, you ever wanted to know. Quite you are an incredible, <laughs> incredible woman, Princess Lita, and a real tour de force. I'm, I'm in love yeah, with no, that for you. storytelling. You're phenomenal. I thank you for sharing all of these stories. I really appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. I completely. Thank you. Thank you. I really enjoyed it, and uh, it was. Uh, life is a joy, and it's such a joyful. Uh, it's a journey. It's really a journey oh. to be enjoying every bit of it, whether the ups or downs or whatever, the good times, the bad times. You can always make something positive about everything. And you're living proof of it. Oh my gosh! Thank you, thank <laughs> you, thank you, thank you. I really, really appreciate this. This is you're one of the most Absolutely. incredible people I've ever talked to. Oh, my goodness. No, 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 absolutely not. I feel so inarticulate. So. Oh, no, you're, and you are so brilliant. And I, I, you, can, you, can, you know so much about every topic. You're a true Renaissance woman. I think your role is so <laughs> fitting for you. I've often told my husband, I, said, I know a lot about many things. But I'm not an expert in anything, you know. Oh, please! <laughs> I remember, I remember, and then I remember reading a book by um, called Passages by what is her name? Gashihi, years mm-hmm. ago when I was in college. Have you ever heard of the book? No, I haven't. I suggest you, you read share? it. It's really good. Gashihi, and it's called Passages, and okay. she talks about um, people uh, are fit into two categories as far as she's concerned. You're either the kind of person that you know at the age of I don't know, 12 or whatever, when you're young, I want to, I'm going to become a doctor or I'm going to become a journalist or I'm going to become, as you are, a researcher and a scientist. And, and you know it and you pursue it and that's the goal. And then other people, transitional people, like Pouillard, he says, Simon, I mean, they, you know, you, you go uh-huh. and you, um, you have many, many interests, and you go from one to the other, and you, and then you go on, and you, and that's pretty much uh, the path that my life has taken, being a transitional person. But it really was uh, wonderful reading that book because I, I really mm-hmm. highly recommend it to any any person just graduating from college because you know when you graduate yeah. from college and you're in your, in your 20s, you think you know everything. <laughs> you really do. And right. it's probably you're probably the peak of your of your intelligence because you're, you know, you're young and your mind is sharp, et cetera. It's not all cluttered up. And, and so when you're in your twenties, you think you know everything. And then you hit your thirties and you think, well, things aren't turning out exactly the way I thought they would, but, but still, <laughs> life is you know, and then you hit your forties and you think, hmm, this isn't turning out at all the way I think it's going to. And then you hit your fifties and you start, you really start vacillating. <laughs> and that's why we always say people have midlife crises during that period of time. And I'm telling right. you this, when you hit your 60s, when you hit your 60s, which mm-hmm. you're a long way from that, you're four decades away from that, but when you hit your 60s, you really, really realize that um, mm-hmm. that you, you have more 
questions and you have answers. So you progress from being in your 20s where you think you know everything and you know the answers uh, to everything and, and people try and give you advice and you think they're all bogeys and this, that, and the other. So when you become wow. you know, a or whatever, in your 60s, as you think, I just have, I have no answers. I have many more questions than answers. And this has been a wonderful journey. And I don't know where what's going to happen next. You know? <laughs> oh wow! Oh man, that's so good to keep in mind. Wow! And, and you know, another piece of advice I've, I've heard is that when you sort of the older you get, you really regret the things you didn't do, not the things that you did. So don't be afraid to kind oh, of dive in. that's the truth. And you know? I've got to say, I have very few regrets. I have very few regrets in that regard. I, I, I think they're yeah. right. The only regret I have. Uh, is when I didn't have courage. Mm-hmm. Those times that I didn't exemplify courage, whether it's to defend someone when someone was disparaging someone and not mm-hmm. having the courage to say, no, wait a minute, because maybe it was a, a powerful person that was saying something disparaging right. about someone that I I should have defended. Mm-hmm. Or uh, once mm-hmm. Alexander Tarazze, who was my neighbor in New York, asked, do you know who he is? He's a leading pianist and and um, okay. he was playing a concert at, I think it was Carnegie Hall, and he wanted me, and I think Nancy Reagan was going to be there soon, but anyway, he wanted me to walk, no, I think it was Lincoln Center, and I had to walk all the way down the aisle and give him a big bouquet of flowers. He asked me to do that. And I'm so shy that I was like, oh, my gosh, and I was sitting in my chair, and how do I do this in front of everyone, you know? I mean, so I found this woman, and I said to her, um, would you take these flowers down to him? And I actually knew her, and she's the kind of person, like, yes, absolutely, and she's uh, kind of um, quirky, you know, with the hat everywhere, and she's Mm -hmm. really been, so we took these flowers to uh, Lexa, and she said, yes, absolutely. And so she took the flowers, and you should have seen his face. I mean, he knew I was going to walk down the aisle and give him the flowers, and oh. my friend did it instead. And so later, backstage, we all went back to congratulate him on his wonderful concert. Oh, because wow. he was a state wrestler. He was head of state of the, oh, the old wow. Soviet regime, you know, to come to America. And, yeah. uh, and he said, well, I guess you were a little shy, weren't you? <laughs> yes, I but, So I regret that. Why didn't I have the courage so many years ago? Why didn't I have the courage uh, to walk in the 80s, to walk down that aisle and give him mm. flowers? I regret that. I really regret mm. that. But I had very few regrets like that, I must tell you. I've, I've always tended to have courage to just, um, uh, you know, follow my bliss, as Joseph Kimball said. And, Right. Um, so I, I have very few regrets, but th- those regrets are when you don't have the courage to have your convictions, to stand up for yourself or others. And right. I remember I was in a grocery store one day, and this uh, uh, this teller was being very, very rude to this older woman, and she was counting out her pennies, and she had bought cat food. And I knew, because I partnership in homeless in New York, mm-hmm. and I knew that she probably, that was, her food, but mm. she was coming out of pennies to buy cat food to eat. And so um, I said to her, well, uh, the, the teller wouldn't take her money because she's counting out pennies to pay for it. And I said, you oh. have to take the money. This is tender. You have to take this money. Right. And so then I said, how much, how much is it? And I bought it for her. And then I said, you keep this money and don't let anyone tell you you can't 
um, pay for it with this money. So I I tend to be like that kind of, you know, (laughs) I spring into action sometimes, maybe sometimes when I shouldn't, but I certainly do. I don't like injustice. I hate injustice and I hate liars. Right. I can't stand it when people are deceptive and trying you know, put one over on someone. I can't stand it. I can't bear it. Completely. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's wow. that's kind of been my But like you said, the only regret I have is when I didn't have courage to right. to, to right. stand up or do something when you was right. And uh-huh. I've had very few, very few instances of it. Believe it or not. So, wow, and incredible. That's such a pearl of wisdom. Yeah. Have courage. Take charge. Wow. You are phenomenal, phenomenal. I cannot even express no, sufficiently no, how just, grateful I am for you sharing all of these pearls of wisdom. I'm I'm soaking I, it in. I I'm wish trying. you I wish you could could have uh talked to my husband because he was really the phenomenal one. He was screaming and everything everything in one. I must yeah. be the prince, but really he was he yeah, right. everywhere. Wow. Oh, completely. And I think you've done an amazing job carrying on his legacy. Both of you have done incredible, incredible work. 